Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell. And I'm Becky O'Connor, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. Later on in this episode, I'm going to be joined by Sam Benstead, who, like myself, specialises in funds, investment trusts and exchange trader funds. Me and Sam are going to chat through how investors building their own portfolio can take inspiration from how football managers set up their teams on the pitch. But before we get to that, myself and Becky are going to talk about what people need to think about before they start investing. So Becky, I think the first question that people should ask themselves is, are they ready to be an investor? I mean, I suspect that lots of people have probably been um, starting to invest in the last few years before really being in the best financial position to do so. And that that can mean that you end up going into debt in order to invest and you know making the wrong decisions and needing to draw on your investments earlier than planned. So it is worth thinking about it before you invest. And although people are often told that you shouldn't um, have any debt before you invest, I think it's worth thinking about the type of debt that you have. Um, For instance, if it's a mortgage or a car loan or something like that, something that you're, or a credit card that you're paying off every month and that you're using for specific purposes rather than to just supplement your income and cover your basic living costs, then I think it's okay to start investing if you have those kind of debts, but not the kind of debts that you're relying on to fund your day-to-day living costs or you know anything else really. Um, so mortgages, okay. Car loans, okay. Credit cards that you pay off every month, okay. You can still consider investing. Other kinds of debt, it's best to pay it off before you start investing because the risk is always going to be that you put money into an ISA and you get further into debt and you're paying interest on that debt and the interest is costing you more than the returns are generating on your investments. And the chances are that if you're in that position, then you'd need to draw on your investments sooner than planned anyway. And the whole point of investing is that it's for the long term. So if you need to dip into it six months or a year later to pay off the debt that you're in because you were investing, then the whole whole exercise. You might have learned a lot, but it was probably a little bit pointless from the point of view of actually making you any money. Um, The other thing to think about before you start investing is what you're actually investing for. As I said, investing is for the long term. And so it's not likely that you would be investing for next Christmas, to fund next Christmas or to fund your holiday next year or even the year after. Really, you're kind of looking at things that you want to, to pay for um, at least five years from now. Um, sometimes people say three years from now, but really five years from now, at least. Of course, you might not know what those things are going to be because it's a long time in the future. So if you're not sure what you're investing for, but you know in the future you're going to have big things that you want some money for, then you can consider investing. So if it's short term, you're probably better off with a savings account, even given the difference between interest rates and inflation at the moment, although interest rates are rising on savings accounts, and that's good news, it's still way below inflation. So you're not getting a huge real return or any real return, perhaps from a savings account, but it is a safe place to store your money for the short term. And there is no risk of loss if you're um, saving less than the financial services compensation scheme limit of £85,000 per account, per institution. And that's the main thing, really, if you're looking to put money aside from the short term. 
Carl, what have I missed? I completely agree that, you know, five years is sort of minimum time periods for having exposure to the stock market, whether that be through individual shares, funds, investment trusts, or um, exchange traded funds or index funds. Because, you know, five years will hopefully smooth out any bumps in the market. But you may need to be more patient than five years. Um, If you invest at a bad time just before a nasty dip, you need to be willing to potentially stomach a longer term time horizon. As you mentioned, Becky, clearing certain debts is, is important. The other sort of test that you should really try and pass before you start investing is that ideally have some rainy day money ready for emergencies. So this is ideally three to six months salary in cash. This ensures that if something happens and you need to access your cash, then you can do so easily and you will not have to sell your investments at a potentially bad time. As you mentioned, Becky, you need to decide what you want to achieve, how long you're planning to invest for and how much risk you're prepared to take. And a big part of that is understanding your tolerance to risk rather than your appetite for reward. Um, You know, every investor, before they start investing, they need to consider what the potential downsides are before they get started. But in terms of making that first investment, It can be very daunting for a beginner investor to sort the wheat from the chaff, given there's thousands of funds out there. I mean, one useful aid as part of the research process is rated lists. And at Interactive Investor, we have both the Super 60 and the Ace 40 lists. These are um, short lists of funds um, covering um, a wide variety of regions, sectors and asset classes. And these shortlists really do try and help investors narrow down the the massive um, playing field that there is. And investors can also gauge inspiration from looking at what funds other investors are buying. I think it's important not to just, you know, blindly buy what's popular. But I mean, certain funds are popular for a reason. So I I think it's, again, as part of the research process, I think it's interesting looking at what investors are buying. And we, we did a poll on Twitter in which we asked people which would be the first name on your investment team sheet. And there was four options. And these four are among the most popular um, funds and investment trusts on the Interactive Investor platform. And they were Scottish Mortgage, Fundsmith Equity, City of London, and Vanguard Life Strategy 100% Equity. I'm going to hand it over to Becky in a second to run through the results of that poll. I'll just give a very brief explanation of what these um, funds do. So Scottish Mortgage, it invests globally in um, high growth companies. A lot of the companies it owns are trying to disrupt the sector or industry that they operate in through the use of technology. And among its top holdings are Moderna and Tesla. The next one's Fundsmith Equity, which uh, many of our listeners will have heard of. It's managed by um, Teddy Smith, who invests in global companies that he thinks have already won and will continue to dominate in the years and decades to come. So it invests in high quality, well-established companies. And one of its top holdings is Microsoft. City of London. So this is a UK dividend investment trust. It invests in a larger company, FTSE 100 dividend payers. It's grown its dividend for 56 consecutive years, which is a a key draw for investors. And its top holdings include Shell and British American Tobacco. And then the fourth choice is um, Vanguard Life Strategy 100% Equity. So this is a passive fund. So it seeks to mirror the up and down movements of global stock markets. And um, over the past decade, it has performed a lot better than um, a lot of its active competitors. And um, one of its key attractions is that it's a lot cheaper than active funds. It charges 0.22% a year. So, Becky, it was a, it was a very close vote between these four funds, wasn't it? It was. There was no. I mean, well, there was a, there was a winner, 
Um, and it was a, a clear winner. It was the City of London Investment Trust, which got um, nearly 30% of the vote, followed by, in second place, Scottish Mortgage. But then Fundsmith and Vanguard, there wasn't much to choose between them at all. They both were roughly 22% of the vote each. And it was interesting watching the vote as the as the votes as they came in. So we had nearly 700 votes. And at, at points, it looked like the Vanguard life strategy was going to be the most popular. But in the end, the City of London did it for the investment trust sector. Round of applause. Thanks, Becky. With the Men's Football World Cup starting this weekend, now is a good excuse as any to make some links between the beautiful game and the world of investing. In common with football, when it comes to an investor putting together their own portfolio, it is important to strike a good balance, achieved by having a mixture of different types of investments, both defensive and offensive. Having a mixture of different investments gives an investor diversification, which helps to reduce risk. Me and Sam are going to run through how football managers set up their teams on the pitch and name the types of funds that fit into each role. So let's start off with goalkeeper. In investment terms, the ultimate goalkeeper would be cash. Due to cash not being exposed to the up and down movements in share prices that are inherent in investing. But the trouble with cash, particularly at the moment, with inflation levels at their highest in decades, is that cash is eroded by inflation. Savings rates have been on the rise this year in response to interest rates um, also being on the rise, but they are still well short of inflation. While the stock market it is more risky than cash, there's the prospect of higher rewards over the long term, and the history books do indeed show that the stock market over the long term yields greater rewards than cash. Having said all that, in a portfolio, there's certainly something to be said for having some cash. The underlying capital, it's secure, whereas, as mentioned with the stock market, your capital's at risk. Having some cash at hand makes sense tactically, so that if and when there's a stock market dip, you can then move to take advantage and pick up some potential bargains. The other goalkeeper we can include is money market funds. Sam, can you run through how those funds invest? So this is where a fund manager builds a portfolio of high quality bonds that are going to mature very soon. This gives investors a cash-like portfolio, but with some yield, currently about 2%. While that's not as much as a savings account, it's about half the amount and nowhere near the inflation rate, it is better than holding cash and is very secure. The portfolios can fall in value. There's no guarantee that they're going to go up, but that's very unlikely. One fund that our team of fund experts currently recommend is the Royal London Short-Term Money Market Fund. And before we move on to defenders, a final point for the goalkeeper is that you don't want to have you don't want to have too much of a portfolio in cash. Ideally, um, you know, fund managers they'll typically have a couple of percent of cash to hand um, in order to take advantage of opportunities when stock markets fall. And in general, if you see a fund have a cash position of more than 10%, then I would suggest that that's quite unusual um, and there'd be a good reason for that and it would warrant um, further investigation. In terms of defenders, as, as in football, the main part of a defender's job is to stop the opposition scoring. In a similar manner, in the investment world, what you want your defenders to do as part of your portfolio is to give the rest of your portfolio protection, give the midfield and the, and the attackers protection, which we'll come on to shortly. You want your defenders to limit losses as much as possible. So with funds, you want to see low drawdowns. You want to see when stock markets fall heavily, you don't want to see your funds fall as heavily as the wider stock market. 
Now, over the longer term, bonds are less risky than shares. With that in mind, bonds would form a solid defensive bedrock for a portfolio. So I'm going to now hand this over to Sam to chat through which type of bonds would make good defenders. Yeah, so bonds are your classic defensive investments. And this is where you get paid a fixed income from lending money to companies or governments. One way of doing that in a secure way is to lend money to high quality companies. These are called investment grade bonds. Or you can lend money to developed market governments such as the US or the UK. Bond prices tend to move in the opposite direction to share prices because investors value these fixed incomes, which makes them a great defensive uh, part of a portfolio because if shares are falling, hopefully your bonds should be rising or at least holding their value. Currently, investors can get about 4% annually from lending to the US or UK governments. They can do that by buying a, a gilt or a treasury bond directly or through a portfolio um, with either an active or a passive fund manager. At the moment, you get about 6% from investment grade bonds and even more from high yield or emerging market bonds. That's not to say there's no risk in the bond market. The biggest one is that interest rates change and changing interest rates affect the value of bond prices. So when interest rates go up, this is bad for bond prices. And that explains why this year, bonds have actually been a very dangerous place to invest. And um, UK government bonds in particular have lost a lot of value. If you're investing in the riskier part of the bond market, so emerging market or high yield bonds, these bond prices can actually be more sensitive to the economy than government bonds or safe government bonds or investment grade corporate bonds. And as well as bonds, the, the other sort of natural defenders in the in the investment world are um, wealth preservation investment trusts. I mean, I'd suggest that um, you know if you're looking for sort of Jose Mourinho park the bus option, then these are the these are the funds to consider. And free 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 funds that invest in this manner are the Ruffer Investment Company, Capital Gearing, and Personal Assets. All three, they're very cautiously managed. They all seek to protect capital and also make money in a variety of market conditions by investing in lots of different assets, including um, exposure to assets that are uncorrelated from the fortunes of stock markets. You know, over other sort of stock market crashes, they've been a great preserver of wealth, including during the dot-com crash, the global financial crisis, and more recently during the COVID-19 pandemic. We're now going to move on to the midfielders in a portfolio. So as in football, in investment terms, a central midfielder is the core of the team. You want to find a solid core holding for your portfolio. And I'd suggest a good place to start would be a global fund, um, either uh, global funds that are managed by professional investors or a global index or exchange trade of funds. Um, with index and exchange trade of funds, these are passive funds which uh, give investors exposure to the global stock market simply, cheaply and effectively. But bear in mind, with global funds, some invest in an adventurous manner. Um, one example of that would be Scottish Mortgage. That trust would be better suited to be further up the pitch as an attacker rather than a midfielder. I'd split the midfielder section um, of global funds into attacking midfielders and defensive midfielders. In that attacking group, you would maybe find quality growth funds. So this is the investment style of, of star managers like Nick Train or Terry Smith. And they're looking for companies that have got established businesses, recurring profits and reliable growth. 
companies in this group might include Diageo or, or Unilever or Microsoft. They're often pricier than the stock market because investors know they're high quality companies, but they're not speculative. These could be the, the Mason Mounts or the Jack Grealish players in the in the England team. You're going to get hopefully a good return from markets if, if they're rising, but if they're falling, then um, they're not going to go back and do too much defending for your for your team. On the defensive midfielder section, investors might want to look more towards dividend funds, so equity income funds. These portfolios invest in stocks that have already got lots of profits and are actually returning those to the shareholders. Uh, this is this is a luxury for them, so it shows that they're established, good businesses generating lots of cash. You might find oil or tobacco stocks here, as well as utilities, consumer staples, and mining companies. And finally, let's move on to the attackers. Um, so these are the investments that can potentially add the most value over the long term. So Sam, who are the glory hunters of the investment world? Who are the potential Harry Canes? So in this attacking section, you can really pick and choose any exciting option from all over the investment universe. This might be something like China. If you think that it's, it's emerging middle class and investment in technology is going to pay off. It could be new technology themes like artificial intelligence or clean energy, or it could even be biotech, for example. So you're trying to find something which, although might have a low probability of success, if it does work, it could really shoot the lights out. The, the classic fund in this space, if you want to trust a, an active manager to pick winners in exciting themes for you, would be Scottish Mortgage, the, the Global Investment Trust. It's well known for early bets on the Chinese stock market, but also Tesla and Moderna. Healthcare is now one of its most prominent areas that looks to genomics and biotechnology as potential cures for, for cancer and, and other diseases. Um, so if you're going to pick a, a fund to, um, to be your attacker, it would be Scottish Mortgage, I would say. But this is a risky investment. It's fallen, I think, 50% from peak to trough at one point this year. So personally, I would limit this attacking part of the portfolio to about 10, 15% of my investments. As you mentioned, um, Sam, as with strikers on the pitch, such um, adventurous funds or investment trusts, they can fall in and out of form. So it's um, important to be patient and to uh, think long term. And a final point for me is that I think it's um, also prudent to have in mind some fund or investment trust substitutes. You know, a lot of fund managers, they don't stay in their posts throughout their whole careers. Um, you might find that the fund manager joins a rival firm or is moved on by the full management company. So I think if and when that happens, and of course you may also be unhappy with your with your initial choice and want to sub in, sub someone else in. I think it's always good to have someone some other fund in mind so that you can quickly act accordingly when you want to make changes to your portfolio. All this chat about football is getting me very excited for the World Cup. Any predictions, Kyle? Well, you know, England have done very well in the uh, in the Euros and the and the last World Cup. But as with investments, I'd say that you know, past performance it's it's no guide to the future. And on that note, thank you very much for listening. Please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. If you get a chance, we'd be very grateful if you could leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. Keep your questions and talking points coming via Twitter at ii on the money or email at otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. 
See you next week.